Welcome to the Trad Dads Podcast, where we examine cultural and political issues through the lens of traditional thought. All right, so today I want to give a little preview and uh, offer some tidbits that, that uh, didn't make it into my book review of uh, Trent Horn and Catherine Pakaluk's book, um, Can a Catholic Be a Socialist? And I, I have I did an episode before about kind of what to expect with this book um, when I <clears throat> uh, kind of responded to Trent Horn's uh, uh, podcast about the book. So I'll link that uh, in, in the show notes. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll need to go over to Anchor. Um, the, the link in the description on YouTube will lead you to the show notes on Anchor. So um, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, first of all, thank you very much because I have ads running on these um, on the podcasts. Uh, if you're on YouTube and you don't have me on your um you know, if you're a podcast person and you don't have me on your uh, podcast app, please uh, please search out Trad Dads on there and see if you can uh, get that for automatic download. Uh, okay, so enough self promotion. But so what I want to do is, I you know, I whenever you write a book review, you you're, you only have so much space, and there you know you have to make decisions about what you're going to actually say and what you're going to leave out, and so. You know, there's. I, I wanted to take this opportunity to kind of give some more uh, discussion and maybe just give a little preview of what's in this. I'm hoping this will be coming out in the next week or so. Um, you know, whenever you write, you inevitably get rejected by, uh, you know, outlets. It's just the way the academic and, and the publishing world works. But um, so I have not yet got it published, but I'm hoping that this, uh, the one that I just sent it to, I'm hoping that they will take it. Um, so if not, I've got kind of a, um, I've got, I've got other options, so we'll see. So what, what I find so interesting about this book is, um, is that number one, we're seeing all these groups jump into this discussion about what does Catholic social teaching mean for economic policy? And, uh, just today I saw, (laughs) And I put, a, I put up a post about this on the Leonine Institute page, uh, you know, social media pages. So you can check that out. Um, but uh, let's see, is it Merrill Lynch? Anyway, one of the big banks, uh, you know, put out, oh, it's Morgan Stanley. There we go. One of the big banks put out a Catholic values primer, a tool used for institutions and individuals to align faith and finance. Please. Um, that that sounds really bad. (laughs) I mean, obviously I need to, you know, take a look at it before I really criticize it. But, uh, you know, uh, a giant bank telling me what the Catholic church thinks about investing. I don't think I'm interested. Um, but you know, Horn's book was published through Catholic answers, which is normally just a, you know, Catholic apologetics outlet, right? What, what would they be doing with economics? I don't, it's such a weird, uh, you know, even Catholic social teaching, right? There's all kinds of Catholic teaching that they don't get into, right? It's mostly apologetics. Why would they be diving into this? Um, so I think there's a there's a there's an opportunity for the Leonine Institute. Um, and by the way, if you haven't heard of that, um, that is an effort that I'm uh, uh, spearheading with a couple of uh, a couple of friends um, to try to provide some education on Catholic social teaching and what it means for the world today uh, and how we can apply it today. And, and, and I think the difference between us and other people is that we are trying to be as, you know, we are trying to be 
faithful to the church's teaching. We were trying to put that first and um, not to try to squeeze the church's teaching into whatever preconceived political views we already have, which I think is, is um, sadly very common with these other groups. So <clears throat> anyway, to get to this review, what, what, I, what I found really interesting about their review is um, they, they're, they're very careful about what their baseline assumption is with this review. So you, if you notice, if you notice the, the, the background assumption of the book is that sort of liberal capitalism is the best way of doing things. In fact, it's the only way that we know how to sort of organize society in any productive way. Um, and so when you, when you read through this book, what you get this idea is that what, what's happening, what seems to be happening is that uh, Trent and Catherine are basically trying to use encyclicals to defend, um, you know, sort of liberal capitalist arrangements. Right. And, and, and it's so interesting because that that's, that's essentially all, all there is in the book, right? It's, there's a few critiques, there's some critiques of socialism, right? And, and, and that's all fine. I think, I mean, it, in general, their critiques of socialism are fairly well grounded They're, um, they, they could be better, I think, because instead of relying so much on libertarian economists, um, which they do very heavily, um, instead of relying on that, I, I mean, I understand that they have to rely on economics to an extent because you want to provide sort of a technical response to socialism. And so it's, it's necessary to, um, to dig in here and say some things about, you know, for instance, the knowledge problem, uh, you know, and all of that. But I, I think, I think the challenge there is that, um, just it, the problem is that you, you're then making an assumption about the alternative, right? Then your, your, your assumption is then, okay, well, I guess that means we need a basically, uh, you know, laissez-faire market, right? An un, an un, um, um, you know, a market that's not, uh, you know, that doesn't have very many controls on it by the state and, uh, you know, okay. De depending on where you're at on, you know, what, what you think is necessary, you know, sure. I mean, w there is room for, uh, you know, disagreement about what, what controls the state can have. And they do admit that in the book. I, I mean, there's, there's not much discussion of that. Um, and there really is a lot there, there, because they lean so heavily on the liberal capitalist response to socialism. There really is not much, uh, room in what they're saying for, you know, the government responding to problems. So to make this a little more concrete, um, one of the most telling parts of this in my mind, in terms of the economics is their discussion of just wages. And so, you know, when you read it, the impression you get is that there's on the one hand, you know, government directed wages. And then on the other hand, there's, uh, you know, essentially you get paid whatever, you know, your employer wants to pay you. And those are your options, right? And in the case of the wage issue, it's very interesting because they explicitly then go into what some of the papal documents um, 
you know, want out of a just system. And it seems like, you know, <laughs> the authors of the book just simply cannot abide the uh, requirements of the popes. Because the popes are saying, look, you, you have to pay uh, a living wage. If, if, if a man has a family, he should be able to provide for his family on the wage that he earns. So why, you know, why, why do you think it's just for an employer to do anything but that? Right. And so, of course, then the, the objections start flying. Right. So it's, it's interesting that if you read this carefully, you, you get the sense that, um, you know, Horn and Packluck aren't as interested in the, the church's definition of, uh, you know, a just economic order as they are in justify, using the church to justify liberal capitalism as it exists today. So there's, there's some weird sleight of hand that goes in here. And, um, you know, it's, it's frustrating to say the least that, you know, an outfit like Catholic Answers, which I really like, um, you know, I, I, Tim Staples is fantastic. Uh, and, and I like Trent Horn's, you know, atheism debates too, but it's shocking to me that they would print this because it just seems so obviously an attempt to, um, you know, shield a certain worldview, uh, that isn't, you know, just the Pope's right. So, you know, the, the objections they give you to this just wage things are like, well, you know, if, if some kid mows my lawn, what do I have to do? Like pay for a whole year's worth of, um, you know, like pay for his whole living, you know, his living situation for a whole year. Well, no, of course not. Right. Um, but this is where you get into discussions about what kind of institutions are best in society, right? Um, maybe, uh, you know, cooperatives and local businesses are better than, um, you know, international megacorps, right? Uh, but of course, you know, we can't criticize that because, you know, who funds the Bush School at, at Catholic University of America? Eh, you know, you got to you know, keep your eye on the ball there when it comes to donors. Um, so it's, it's such an interesting kind of thing where, you know, we've, we've let the, you know, the, the, um, sort of the, the state of things in the world modify, uh, how we are able to respond to what, what the church has told us is just right. Um, so, you know, to get around this idea that, you know, someone should be paid a just wage, right? Then we, we get into this whole discussion of, um, oh, well, you know, it's, uh, it's the knowledge problem, right? You know, the government can't calculate, um, you know, but it's like Bob, you know, Father Sirico says, you know, you, uh, you know, the government's too stupid to calculate what, um, uh, you know, what, what the just wage is. And it's like, yeah, well, right. But, you know, that doesn't mean that there, there doesn't have to be any attempt whatsoever to, you know, enforce this on, uh, employers. It doesn't mean that the employers themselves don't have a mandate, right? Just because, just because it may be difficult for the government to, to enforce it doesn't mean that you don't have a moral obligation to do it as an employer. So, you know, there's all these, all these intermediate arguments that are to me so obvious, but yet don't get a hearing because, Again, the purpose of the book seems to be to just excuse uh, capitalism. So I want to go through a couple of quotes here. So they, <laughs> of course, you know, there's always going to be, um, you know, citations of especially John Paul II, um, you know, his, his discussions of, um, 
you know, capitalism and stuff like that, especially in Centesimus Annos, there's a, there's a specific passage that is just notorious for, um, you know, oh, well, if, if, you know, if, if, if capitalism is just, you know, businesses that are, you know, constrained by law, you know, well, then that's okay. <laughs> and they just they completely ignore the rest of the document, uh, completely re- ignore the rest of, uh, you know, uh, JP2's work um, on these types of things. So here's, here's one example. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't mention this, but uh, Horn and Backlook, their, their, their discussion of the universal destination of goods is absolutely a joke. Um, literally, their definition is, God gave the earth to all humanity. That's it. That's all that we're supposed to understand from the universal destination of goods. And they're even concerned that it might, quote unquote, be twisted to sound like socialism. Well, you know, again, I think the problem is rather that Horn and Pakaluk don't understand what socialism is and, uh, and, and aren't very interested in knowing and in hearing what the universal destination of goods is. Right. So in, in, contra, in contradiction to using JP2 to excuse liberal capitalism, let's read a little bit from Solicitudo Rei Socialis. I don't know if I read that right but, or if I pronounce it right, but you know, I'm doing my best. So here's what J, JP2 says. Uh, number 42 from Solicitudo uh, Rei Socialis. It is necessary to state once more the characteristic principle of Christian social doctrine. The goods of this world are originally meant for all. The right of private property is valid and necessary, but it does not nullify the value of this principle. Private property, in fact, is under a social mortgage, which means that it has an intrinsically social function based upon and justified precisely by the principle of the universal destination of goods. So there's a lot there. I mean, there are, there are, I mean, I found dozens of, um, you know, theological articles on this concept of the social mortgage, right? I mean, there, there's a ton of information just in that one little paragraph. Well, why is none of that discussed, right? Why, why does this automatically have to mean socialism? Well, it does to Horn and Pakaluk because they don't understand what socialism is. They don't understand what the church requires of us when, um, you know, in, in, in matters of economic, uh, you know, uh, economic policy. And it, again, it seems as though the interest is in excusing capitalism, not in explaining why the church thinks socialism is bad. Right. And I think that's one of the big problems here is the framing is that, you know, the, the framing of the book is socialism bad. And then because the framing is socialism bad, they can just sort of backdoor capitalism, therefore capitalism good without explicitly saying that, because, you know, then it makes hard it makes it hard for me to come and come in and critique them because they're saying, hey, we're not saying capitalism is bad. We're just saying socialism is 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 not good. And it's like, yeah, that's not what you're explicitly saying, but there's a lot of, um, there's a heavy implication in here. Um, I want to address uh, this family wage thing uh, real quick. So in Labora Mexicans, or Mexicans, I don't know how to say these things. 
J- JP2 uh, kind of comes in and just absolutely slams a hammer down on this idea that, you know, the just wages, oh, you know, just whatever the market will bear. It's not really a big deal. You know, even though the, you know, the popes since the 1800s have, uh, you know, made it very clear that there is a, this concept of a just wage is a concrete moral imperative. Well, you know, maybe not. Okay, well, here's JP2. Uh, number 19 in Laborum Exocrines. Hence, in every case, every case, a just wage is the concrete means of verifying the justice of the whole socioeconomic system, and in any case, of checking that it is functioning justly. It is not the only means of checking, but it is a particularly important one, and in a sense, the key means. So, how, how is that? How is that unclear in any way about the just wage? I mean, th- this is this is the most important way to determine whether or not a socioeconomic system is just, like in general, right? The Benedictines say prayer and work, right? That's their motto. And, you know, Christ told us, uh, you know, th- the worker deserves his wages, Obviously, this is incredibly important, especially in the, you know the world we live in today. So, why wh- wh- what is going on here? Why is there so much effort to play this down in a book that's supposed to be about socialism? Right? Socialism has nothing to do with just wages. Socialism is unjust on its face. I don't understand this. You know, this this whole idea of trying to push down this this the importance of just wage it's incredibly important and yet that's what we get from horn and packalook's book i want to end with one more quote from john paul ii from uh centesimus annus so uh from number 42 in centesimus annus quote indeed there is a risk that a radical capitalistic ideology could spread, which refuses even to consider these problems in the a priori belief that any attempt to solve them is doomed to failure and which blindly entrusts their solution to the free development of market forces, unquote. So you see there, right, we, we get a very important uh, counteraction to the, um, you know, this idea that, oh, well, because the technical economics tells us that, you know, socialism doesn't work, well, then we can't have these, you know, just wages, nonsense utter nonsense and 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 really what what what's important here the the key distinction here is simply that the church certainly has the within its authority and its competency to address the means of solving economic problems the church is not restricted to talking only about the goals, right? The ends of the economic system. It is not restricted to talking only about the ethics of those things about, you know, what our goal is. The church certainly has a role in determining the justice of the means we use in economic policy. It cannot be, as John Paul II said, it cannot be left to whatever the market will bear. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Trad Dads podcast. 
If you enjoyed our show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes. It really helps us out.